0: And welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm MK.
1: And I'm Sam.
0: And we are bringing you part two of question mark parts of the Amityville horror case. Um, one of the most famous haunting cases in the US. And today we're going to get into the Lutz family when they moved in and all the horrors that they experienced in the house. And... They were only there for a short 28 days. And so the fact that we are thinking that this might have to be like several parts is crazy. Because there's just so much content and so much detail.
1: It makes me think that the 28 days were jam-packed with absolute absurdity.
0: Yes. And so the way that I'm going to go about telling this particular tale is I'm going to take you by a day-by-day account of each of the 28 days that they were in the house and what happened on each day, because they really never caught a break. Like, there's never a day with no activity. There's some days that are obviously... I'm surprised surprised they lasted 28 days then. (laughs) Well, there's, like, certain reasons, and, like, I don't want to get too into it, but there's a lot of outside factors that that caused them to stay as long as 28 days. Okay, I see. The market, the housing market isn't great. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Um, so I actually think that this this episode is going to be long. It's going to be like kind of Lizzie Borden-esque, I think, because there's a lot of details. Well,
1: that was I did a deep dive. Yeah. So that's good.
0: It was. It's kind of popping off on YouTube now, too. That and Jim Thorpe. Ooh, Jim Thorpe! It's really gonna come back. I know. Share our
1: passion for (laughs) Jim Thorpe. I guess.
0: I guess so. So anyway, I'm gonna get right into it. If that's okay with you, that is a okay with me. I would love that. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, so I'm gonna start this episode off by telling you all about the book that I got most of my information from. is called The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. I plugged it in the last episode. Um, But it was written two years after all these events occurred. So it was like fresh in the mind of this author. He also got all of his information from a firsthand account from both Kathy and George Lutz, who were the couple that lived there. And I think I said all this in the last episode, but I just want to recap it because it really is a phenomenal book. It had me on the edge of my seat and he just has a very good storytelling way about him so so are these like interviews are these direct interviews or like he took the direct interviews to write the book so they actually didn't give him a direct interview but they sat down and i believe it was spanning like 14 plus tapes they gave yeah they gave him like a tape recorder with like like an almost like an oral diary of all 28 days yeah yeah It's pretty neat. Yeah. So, cool idea
1: for a book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's and it's it's extremely detailed down to like like the conversations that they had with like outside people. It's just a really great book. I would highly recommend to anyone who is into the paranormal. Reading it. So, without further ado, here we go. Yes. So, let me take you back to December 18th, 1975. A young couple what? named George and Kathleen, or Kathy Lutz, move into 112 Ocean Avenues, or as the previous owners had named it, High Hopes. That's so... That's just at it.
1: that
0: point. Yeah, right? So... Uh, they had three kids, Danny, Chris, and Missy, who were all Kathy's from a previous marriage. They were a little bit of, like, a blended family. Um, but they toured this house and fell in love with it. Um, it was extremely cheap for a three-story house in New York on the water of the Amityville River. Um, and they... With full disclosure, the broker came in and said, you know, the reason that it is this cheap is because the DeFeo murders had occurred here, like, almost, I think it was just over a year prior.
1: It had only been a year?
0: It had only been a year. Because because the
1: murders happened in November? So, wow. Yes. Okay.
0: And they closed on the house in November.
1: They must have gotten an insane deal on that.
0: I'll tell you about it. It's crazy. So <laughs> it only took... Uh, let me give you a little bit of background here. So it only took them four short weeks to abandon the house with only a few spare changes of clothes, and they went and they stayed with some friends in, like, a completely undisclosed location. Okay. Um, there's a quote from a reporter-slash-investigator for Channel 5 News, Steve Bauman, that says, quote... Some unnatural evil that grew stronger every day they remained, unquote, was apparent in this house. William Weber, who was Butch DeFeo's attorney, had also claimed that there was some sort of evil force that overtook his client. And we talked about this yesterday in our previous episode, but um, it could, he was claiming that it could have been electrical impulses from the way the house was built, or it could have been something truly evil. Two representatives from the Vatican showed up to the house, investigated, and advised the Lutz family to vacate immediately. Oh, from the Vatican? They got people from all the way at the Vatican? Yes, but they were never approved for an exorcism. So, in the time that they were staying there. So, another interesting note before we truly get into the case... The Lutz family, as I've said many times, was in the house for 28 days exactly. And Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are, if you don't know, famous in the demonology world for cases like the Annabelle doll and the Conjuring House, house, we've covered a few of their cases. They have a theory called the 28-day cycle theory. And basically the theory states that it takes a full 28 days of residence in a haunted house to fully uncover and connect with the spirits that inhabit it. So they couldn't prove this theory before their death, but their son-in-law, Tony Sparrow was behind the newer Netflix series 28 Days Haunted, in which paranormal investigators stay in a haunted place for two weeks. And this experiment supposedly... Proved this theory, so it's very strange that the Lutzes were there for exactly twenty-eight days before they reached the peak of their interactions with the spirits and fled in terror.
1: Yeah, I wonder if uh, the reason that they f- that the Warrens were able to come up with this theory was it because of the Amityville Horror, or what?
0: Or did they have this theory before? It definitely could have had some influence. Yeah. I believe. I'm not sure when this theory came. Yes, it is. Definitely. Definitely aligns with their theory. Yeah. Still. So <laughs> So, back in November while they were touring the house, the Lutzes, who had been on like the house hunt for a while, fell in love with this house. And it was probably hard not to. It had six bedrooms, a two-car garage, a finished basement, a swimming pool, and a boat house out back, in which wow. George had a boat too, so it's not like that was a completely like superfluous thing. He was going to put that to good use. So they were like, wow, this is perfect. So typically a house like this, of that size, in that area would have cost about $150,000 to $200,000 back in <laughs> 1975.
1: I know. <laughs> this is so crazy.
0: I know. So, which is about Mm, like six, it, it's it's probably about like eight hundred thousand, I would say, um, in today's today's dollars. So pre murder, yeah, pre murder. So the Lutzes are like, this is perfect, and the broker tells them that the house is only eighty thousand dollars, which in today's money is around four hundred fifty thousand.
1: So it was like slashed by. Half basically, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If my o- over hard. half. Over half.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: So yeah. they're like it's a pretty large price discrepancy. And so the broker's like, Well, would you like me to tell you about the murders that happened here? Like before or after you put an offer in in the house. So they're like uh probably before. She's like, Okay like- <laughs> <laughs> So she's like, Okay. There were, unfortunately, six murders that occurred here, November 13th, 1974, but didn't bother the Lutzes at all. They were like, you know what, we know a good deal when we see one.
1: Were they a family of six also?
0: No, they were a family of five. five.
1: Okay, okay, Mm -hmm. still
0: weird. Still weird, though. I know, it is weird. Um, So, let's go over the house layout a little bit. So, it was three floors. Like I said, it was six bedrooms. So, the third floor had one bedroom for both Danny and Chris who are their two young sons and an additional bedroom that Kathy turned into a playroom for the kids the second floor had the master bedroom and a dressing room which I'm I'm kind of confused as to like what the difference yeah I guess guess it's like a
1: am I I crazy or did the Lizzie Borden house also have a dressing room or maybe it was like a spare room or something
0: no it definitely had a dressing room you're right
1: okay so I guess it's like an old fashioned thing
0: Probably. I mean, this was still, like, the 70s, so it wasn't that old-fashioned, but I whatever. They called it their dressing room. Okay. And the, it also had another bedroom that would be Missy's, who's their youngest daughter, and a sewing room. So, yeah, very nice, right? They have a little hobby room, they've got their dressing room, and all the kids have a nice big bedroom, which they didn't have in their previous house. It's
1: way so too everyone's very.
0: True. Exactly. Everyone's like very happy with their arrangement. Yeah. yeah. You would think it would raise a little red flag. But George is like, you know what, this is perfect, but unfortunately, we have to furnish the entire first floor because we don't have any any dining room sets, like what, we don't have like a TV set, whatever. So, he right. makes a deal and he's like to the broker, "Hey, do you have any discount Items for me, possibly from the DeFeo home. So, so for the for four hundred dollars, George Lutz bought the following items for the from the DeFeo's estate. So this, all of these were in the house when the murders occurred. Okay, a full dining room set, a TV chair, seven AC units. Two washers and dryers a new fridge and freezer Ronald DeFeo's bedroom set for the master bedroom where they were murdered and and they bought the youngest DeFeo's daughter's bedroom set and put it in their young daughter's room
1: that's listen I understand like getting a a deal on things This, I feel like this broker must have like literally been like that there's no way that they're like why were they so chill why were they so like okay with all of that and I understand if you don't believe in the paranormal stuff but like that I that would ver- that would not sit well with me I would not be able to comfortably live in that house period but I mean with all the that's like a nightmare to me that really freaks me, me
0: out I would be more likely to move into this house than to buy any of, like, the furniture sets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you're, it's, like you're, it's almost like he was, like, inviting in mm-hmm. weird, scary set. Like, I don't know. That's, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I I literally have nothing to say. I know. It. I was, I was thrown for a loop by that one, too. Yeah. So, they all, they purchased this all before their move-in day, which, again, was December 18th. So everyone and the moving crew, who's a couple of George's friends, they're up and ready to go early in the morning and they show up to the house and all the doors are locked and George realizes that he doesn't have the key. So he has to call the broker and the broker goes back to her office and she gets the key. And so it's like off to a little bit of a later start, but you know, they're not going to let that deter him or them. It's almost like the universe was telling them to like leave. (laughs) There's a lot of signs from the universe, I think, in this in this case that I would have taken as a sign and not moved into this house. <laughs> that, unfortunately, they didn't. That's just me. So, at around 1.30pm, Father Frank Mancuso shows up to bless the house. And so, he had been plagued by kind of like an uneasy feeling all day, um, but he'd known George and Kathy Lutz, like, before their marriage, he did, like, some pre-marriage counseling with them. And so he felt, like, kind of connected to the couple and their children. So he was, like, I have to go bless this house, right? Like, it's a little bit of an obligation for for some friends. But he had a lunch date prior to this blessing, and he learned from his friends that it was the site of the DeFeo murders. And they were all, like, you should not go. Like, there's some freaky stuff that's going down at that house. But he's, like, I have to go. Like, they're my friends, right? Please, he's my friend. Guys,
1: please, please, (laughs) my friend.
0: And so he gets to the house and he's like, okay, I'm gonna do, um, you know, my blessing ritual. So he takes out his little thing of holy water and he starts sprinkling it on the house. And as soon as the first drops of holy water hit the house, he hears an extremely clear, masculine voice say, get out. So... Yeah, that's... That's a sign from the universe, I would say. I think that's a sign from, uh... Something a little more specific than the universe. From Satan. But... Yeah. (laughs) So, he whips around, there's no one in the room, and he's understandably shaken, and the Lutzes are like, why don't you stay for dinner? Like, stay for dinner. And he's like, oh, no, I have to go. Um, did I'm they not going hear, to my Did mom. they not
1: hear the voice?
0: No, they weren't. No, there was no one else in the room. Oh. So he was like, okay, I'm not going to mention it because, like, maybe I'm just tired. Like, maybe I'm shaken up from, like, my friends telling me not to go. Exactly. So he leaves and he drives to his mom's house. And his mom invites him in, and she noted that he arrived at her house looking, like, extremely pale, and he had these, like, unnaturally dark circles underneath his eyes. And at first she thought it was, like, ash or makeup, but when he went into the bathroom to wash it off, it didn't come off. So, very weird. And it happens, like, a couple of times throughout this. So it's just, like, a weird... Yeah, it's a weird note. He, this poor priest, just, he kind of goes through it just by being, like, associated with the Lutzes. Poor guy. So, he, so, I know. So, he gets on his way back to the rectory, and he's forced into the right shoulder by, like, he thought it was a car, but he noticed quickly soon that he was the only car on the road so he feels something pushing him towards this right shoulder as if he's being rammed by like a much larger car and all of a sudden as he pulls over into the right shoulder his hood flies up and his right door flies open so his passenger seat door flies open and he's like this is really weird like i i don't feel comfortable driving this car which doesn't matter if he feels comfortable driving or not because the car stalls. So he used to call a friend to pick him up. And the friend picks him up and he's like, hey, Frank, like, I'm so glad that you called because, you know, I would always help you if you're in trouble. But the weirdest thing, like, happened on my way here. My windshield wipers were going crazy and I couldn't stop them. So. This is, yeah, this is weird
1: yeah so, so could the friend so could the friend not come get Frank no he
0: grabbed he grabbed one. he got him he he was okay, on he his way it, to okay.
1: Frank and then, but he was having weird things happen with his car
0: as he was driving exactly over.
1: okay and
0: like car trouble is is like a very unsettling theme in this in this okay. story
1: that'd be unsettling because i wouldn't know what to do like the meme where it's like yeah the emojis Show up on your Where's
0: show. my yeah. dad? Where's my dad? <laughs> but yeah, this is wait, this is oh, very no. awesome.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm glad <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I know, I would have no idea what to do either. So meanwhile, back at the Lutz's, George hears like this horrific howling from his backyard. And he looks out the window, and it's his half Malamute, half Labrador mix, Harry. And Harry is like, this big, tough dog that was bred to be a guard dog. And so he goes outside, and he can't find Harry. And all of a sudden, he noticed that Harry has scaled the fence on his, like, chain and accidentally hung himself. So he's, like, hanging, like, by his collar. This is the first night. The first night. On the other side, he's fine. The dog is fine. Dog is, dog is good. But... definitely like a weird thing for like a trained disciplined guard dog to do George noted that he was like I don't think like he would have ever done that in the other house like he's never done anything like that before and it was weird also this is just a little note it kind of made me sad while I was reading this book but Harry was like left outside as a guard dog in like freezing temperatures like in December like outside for the night like don't do that to your dogs. I know some dogs are bred to be guard dogs, but like it just made me sad. Don't yeah, don't do that to your don't dogs. It. And also, especially for the Luxes, like
1: you should be worrying about the things that are inside the house, not the things that yeah. are
0: outside the house. <laughs> yeah, but they don't know that right. yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. True. 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 Hindsight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi. But even after like things start happening inside the house, they're like, "Not you, dog. You stay outside." Um. They're like,
1: but you? Mm, no.
0: You're fine. Um, but anyway, so December 19th, it's their first night in their house, and George wakes up to a knocking sound at exactly 3.15 a.m. So, this is a string of occurrences, he wakes up at that time exactly almost every single night that he's in the house, almost 28 out of 28 days.
1: The witching hour.
0: So, yeah, the witching hour, but then also something else. So, he goes downstairs to, like, check the door, just as, like, a compulsion, and he sees a shadow moving in his backyard out towards the boathouse. So, he flings the door open, and he's like, Harry, get him, like, go get him. So, Harry tries to attack, but he's on a leash that is too short. So, George arms himself by, like, a two-by-four, and he goes out to the boathouse, and he finds that the door is unlocked, and it's causing the knocking noise but there's no sign of like anyone down by the boathouse so he's like this is really weird cuz I know that I latched that before I went to bed. So definitely spooky
1: but very spooky but so far things that I can see someone explaining away because they mm-hmm. don't they're not thinking that it's anything haunted.
0: I would not be thinking haunted so far. Yet, yeah, right. Once
1: once we get to the point where both of us think that we would start to think it, something was on
0: like something was going on. Yeah, you tell me, okay. Okay, yeah, definitely. So, um Okay, so later that day when the whole family had woken up, Kathy's in the kitchen preparing for Christmas cuz remember, we're like a week out from Christmas and she still needs to do some last minute shopping like we all do sometimes. And so she's making a list of everything, yeah, of everything that she needs, and Missy comes downstairs, and she says, Mom, I don't like the new house, I want to go home. And Kathy's like, well, this is your home, like, you'll warm up to it, right? Okay.
1: Classic.
0: Listen to the little girl, always. Uh, always. So George, George, though, starts this, like, really annoying habit, and he's he, like, constantly complains. That the house is always freezing, even though the temperature is set to seventy-five degrees. Okay. So, just a little thing, Tony. Yeah, seventy-five. I cannot function in anything over like seventy-two.
1: I'm a I'm a seventy-three girl.
0: Okay. All right. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. So now let's move on to December 20th and 21st. I'll lump them together. So both nights, George wakes up at 315 and the family kind of starts to notice this like gradual shift in their personalities. And they're just not themselves. So the house had kind of begun to affect every single member of the Lutz family. So George is all of them. George is always cranky and cold and he's not keeping up with his appearance or his hygiene and he, like, never missed a day of work but he just, like, wasn't going... He owned his own company but he, like, wasn't going into the office, like, at all. And so Kathy is, like, stressed out nervous and she, like, gets a little bit more depressed and she becomes increasingly more violent. Uh, like, violent is not... I guess, like, the right word. I guess it is, right, towards the kids. So, all of the kids, like, kind of account that, like, physical punishment was, you know, used in extreme cases, but, like, once they moved to this house, like, if they were out of line at all, like, Kathy would, she would beat them a little bit. Oh, man. So, but it wasn't, like, an abuse. Uh, not that I want to, like, excuse physical punishment, but I hope you guys understand what I'm saying when I say that, Obviously, it's never okay to beat your kids, but it was the seventies, right? So yeah,
1: time for physical punishment.
0: Exactly, physical punishment wasn't like the sign of like a really unhappy, like abusive relationship with right. the mom. She just would take a spoon to them every once in a while if they like broke a dish or whatever.
1: Yeah, it was much more common.
0: Yes, so. The kids had supposedly turned, like, bratty and disobedient, and they were, like, extremely destructive to the property. And one of, like, the little, like, I guess it was, like, the straw that broke the camel's back with Kathy was that they had broken, like, cracked the window in their playroom. So she, she gave them a hefty beating. So, uh, and uh, now everyone's, like, mad at each other, right? Also everyone's to We are into it three days. Oh, wow. (laughs) That was quick. I know. So now December 22nd, 1975, George awakes again at 315. So there was no particular reason. Like there wasn't any noise, but it was kind of like a habit now. So he just like noted that, you know, he's been waking up at this time. Not super out of the ordinary. I'd be a little freaked out, but honestly, I've I
1: gone through times before where I would wake up in the middle of the night at the same time.
0: Yeah, me too. I actually right. went through. Oh.
1: Hmm. No, what were you gonna say?
0: I was just gonna say like when I f- when I first moved into this apartment that I'm in right now. So like recently, I went through a phase where I'd wake up at three thirty, like almost exactly every night, and I was I freaked out. I woke up the, I woke up, like, the third night in a row and I was like, I, like, this place is haunted, like, that oh, God.
1: creepy, I won't lie.
0: Yeah, that's, but, but it's also think, like,
1: you're probably, like, like, there are so many rational explanations, but just, like, hearing it in hindsight, of course, we're like, oh, like, he should have known.
0: Freaky. Yeah, I know. Well, compared with, like, compiled with all of his other, all these other, uh, signs, he, it's, Kind of like a telltale, I, I think, personally.
1: Yes. So, not i agree. I'm not yours. Don't worry. Your apartment's oh, yeah. so haunted.
0: I'm not convinced yes. that it's not. I'm not convinced <laughs> it's not. It's that's a, a story. Where, that's well, they say that the city that I'm living in right now, I don't want to like triangulate myself, but is like one of the most haunted cities like in America, which I didn't do on purpose, but now I'm kind of like, this is slay.
1: I why so, did I not know
0: that? I didn't know it either until yeah. I moved here and then I was kind of like, ooh, and my roommate was like, Did you do that on purpose? I was like, I did not.
1: I promise. You're like, but if I did
0: <laughs> it was a good business opportunity. Okay.
1: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that sounds like an opportunity. Wait, what is that DJ Khaled says? <laughs>
0: um a new opportunity okay um oh yeah yeah yeah. wait what is it he says like he's like oh that's a major key or like whatever yeah you know what i'm talking
1: about it's it's something like that i'm sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) hopefully people know what we're talking about anyway so that same morning december 22nd kathy was just sitting in the kitchen again writing a to-do list for herself before the holidays and she kind of like Stops everything because someone or something had begun to like warmly embrace her from the back and like patted her hand, and it was very like warm and welcoming. But there was no one there. Yeah, like even if it's
1: warm and welcoming, that's still gonna freak me out.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> me too. So she was kind of, like, stunned and, like, a little bit shocked, but her thoughts were interrupted by the children screaming bloody murder upstairs. So she runs on upstairs, and she's like, what is going on? What is going on? So the third-floor bathroom toilet and her own toilet, the inside of the bowl was dyed completely black, and no matter how hard she scrubbed it, it wouldn't come off.
1: Oh, that's weird. I thought you were gonna say red.
0: No, dyed completely black. And it was, like, it's, she made some progress, but it was still, like, very clear that something black had been in there. So the kids are, like, we're going to get the crap beat out of us. And she's, did yeah. you do this? Did you do this? And they're, like, no, no, we wouldn't have told you. And she was, like, okay, fair point. So yeah. she goes back into her bathroom to start cleaning the toilet, and she gets this, like, whiff of a strong perfume. And before okay. she can, like, kind of identify the scent – the only thing she knew about it was that it was not hers that was not her perfume but it suddenly became like mixed with this smell of like death and decay so she thought it was something in like the septic tank or like the pipes that had died and maybe that's why the toilets were black but she she, anyway she was just like freaked out so she calls george to come up and inspect and after stepping out of the bathroom, her bathroom, which was, like, across the... It was a kind of... I'll post, like, a picture of the floor layout, but it's not, like, across the hall, but it's, like, adjacent. She sees something in the sewing room. So just keep this in mind. This was one of the bedrooms that they converted. Um, okay. She sees something in there that catches her eye. So she walks in, and she sees on one of the windows... Literally hundreds of flies just covering the window.
1: Ew, ew, ew. So, ew, 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 ew.
0: from I the inside. From uh, the inside. Inside the house. I freaking hate that. Yeah. Me ew. too. So, she screams, as I would too, and George comes in and he like, opens the window and like shoots him out and kills him, whatever. And he's like, "This is like so weird because I could see if they were like trying to get warm, like clinging to something warm, but like this is this window like faces the outside, so it's like freezing cold because it's the middle of December. So they have no explanation for why these flies yeah. were there, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's really weird. Also, yeah, my senior year, of creepy college, as hell. We lived in, like, so. A, I
0: guess it was like a duplex. They go, go about their day until." Of- Sorry, so we shared a
1: wall. Sorry, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Got all messed up. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Senior
1: year, we lived in like a duplex. So half of the wall was ours, and the half of the wall was like the other house, and it was like a big piece of voice. Mm-hmm. And they, um... I forget what they did. They did something where they like they left their trash out or something, and Ew. they got a ton of um flies and then they got into our house because like they were connected and like the sound of a ton of flies together at once is the grossest thing you will ever hear because they're all buzzing and and disgusting so i can only imagine i can only imagine
0: i'm literally repulsed i so the let's go about their day until a man rang their doorbell and he asked to come in so he had a pack of beer and he wanted to introduce himself but the only thing with that is that he never said his name. Um, but he introduced himself as, like, a neighbor to George, and he made polite conversation until, like, almost like a, f- like a switch flipped. And he was like, okay, it's time for me to go now. So he took the six-pack of beer that he walked in with, and then walked out, and they never saw him again.
1: First of all, they're kind of rude. Right? That's what
0: I said. I was like, What? who and he never he never said his name? Never said his name and they never saw him again.
1: Okay, I would love it if they could give a description of the guy and see if he's something <laughs> similar to the DeFeos or anything. I don't know.
0: Isn't that just weird? I I thought that was very strange.
1: Go. Does it come back no. up again at all or is,
0: is it no. a one-off? That's a one-off thing. Alright, weird. <laughs> okay. Very strange. So, anyway, the Lutzes eat dinner, they lock all the doors and windows, and they go to bed. Right? Cool. December 23rd, 1975, George wakes up at 3.15am. And he has the sudden, strange urge to go downstairs. So, he walks down the stairs and he finds their huge, solid wood front door ripped off the hinges and hanging from the door frame. Mm-hmm. And this particular door was estimated to be over 200 pounds. So it's yeah, not like one of the... Right. Yes. Okay. Here's the creepiest part about this. Um, the hinges were bent towards the outside... So the door was ripped off by someone trying to get out, not in. Oh, yeah, that's really creepy. Yeah, that's... I know. So George is, like, trying to wrestle this thing, like, back onto the hinges, and Kathy wakes up, and she comes downstairs, and he explains to her that it was pushed to the outside and she freaks out because now she thinks someone's in her house so she runs upstairs to check on the kids and she finds them all sleeping peacefully nothing's out of the ordinary except she notices something that only I feel like only a mom would notice so all of her three kids are sleeping peacefully but she notes that none of them prior to moving into this house ever slept on their stomachs and all three of them were sleeping on their stomachs with their arms above their head in the exact same position. Oh, that's which, really weird. That's weird. Which is the position that all DeFeo members were placed in after they were killed. That is
1: very, very creepy. Like you said, it's something that like only a mom would notice. Mm-hmm. That, that's weird. That's, re- that's the creep, to me, that's the creepiest thing so far. I agree.
0: Because for her to say that, like, it was weird for one of them to be sleeping on their stomach, let alone all three of them in the exact same position, it's And having freaking.
1: the hands above their head, like, that's not a comfortable mm-hmm. way to like,
0: sleep. Like, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. Um, so, again, they kind of just brush it off, and she, like, thinks about telling George, but she doesn't. And so they all just kind of go about their day and George gets the door back on the hinges and they prepare for Kathy's brother, Jimmy, to drop off a Christmas tree as a housewarming gift, which is great because the Lutzes have not even begun to think about putting up a Christmas tree. Yeah. So Kathy's like getting ready and she's like, oh, I I better go get the ornaments from upstairs. So she goes upstairs and she finds Missy in her room looking out the window. And Missy's room has a... Uh, rocking chair that faces the window and so Missy is facing the window in the rocking chair she has her back turned to the door and Kathy like is standing in the in the um doorway and Missy like without even acknowledging her or like or like turning around whatever says like mom can angels talk And Kathy's like, I have no idea. First of all, how she knew I was there, and like, why is this a question? That like
1: child is asking me.
0: Yeah, why is this a question? So Kathy goes, and she gets momentarily distracted um, because Chris and Danny are like in a full out brawl upstairs, and it's the first time that they've ever gotten into a fight. Which is funny, because it's, like, siblings. I definitely had more than a few fights with them before I was their yeah, age. Okay. But that's, no, that's no demon. <laughs> that's just... <laughs> that's just brothers. <laughs> so she, like, really lets them have it. And <laughs> she is like, yeah. okay, I have to, like, chill out. Like, I don't know where that came from. And so she goes into her bedroom, and she, like, lays down... And all of a sudden, she, like, smells this, like, really gross, like, foul smell. And she's like, where the hell is that coming from? So, she hadn't, obviously, they had only moved in, like, five days before. And she hadn't really, like, unpacked anything in her closet yet. So, it was completely empty because all of the boxes were, like, still in the sewing room. And in the dressing room, whatever. So she opens the closet, and she goes in, and she smells this smell that, like, she's like, this is human poop. Like, this is what that smells like. And so she she's like, ew, like, maybe something in the septic tank, blue, like, whatever. So she turns to leave, and the only thing in this closet is a big silver crucifix that had been given to her by a friend that she just hung over the doorway. Nice. It's upside down. <gasps> and placed back on the hook that it was on upside down. So it's not like this thing could have like spun around. No, no, no. Like it was deliberately placed upside down. And even if it had been spun around, I still would be terrified. But I mean... Me too. Okay. I really don't like it that's see that's like that's the part that gets me because i'm like that's i just (sighs) but don't worry it only gets worse so (laughs) (laughs) december 24th christmas eve father man father mancuso who was the father that blessed uh 112 ocean ave comes down with a like severe case of the flu he is a okay. fever of 104 degrees and he keeps having fever dreams of the sewing room on the second floor. And like, f- he like is dreaming that he's in this room and there's like a really evil presence in there. Oh, this is so, so weird. I know. So he's like, okay, I know that I'm like borderline, like should be in the hospital with this fever, but I just, <laughs> you definitely should be. <laughs> Um, but I just should, I should call the Lutzes, you know, I should call the Lutzes. Yeah. So he connects with George, who's like answers the phone. He's like, Oh my God, like father Frank, like I've been wanting to call you all day. Like we've just had some like really weird occurrences. We had like an accumulation of flies on one of the windows in the, in the sewing room. And father Frank's like, Do not go in that room. There's something weird in there. And immediately, a loud crack comes over the phone. The call disconnected. And no matter how many times they called each other back and the call connected, they couldn't hear anything but static.
1: This is so nefarious.
0: Yeah. Like, Father Mancuso is freaked out, and he decides to call in a favor from his friend, Officer Zamataro of the Suffolk County Police, who then sends Sergeant Al Gianfrido for a wellness check on the family. So Sergeant Al sitting yeah. in his cruiser outside the house and, like, debating whether or not he should go in, because he sees, like, there's signs of life in this house. He's like, okay, they're, like, they're fine. But he sees... George slammed the su- the sewing room window shut, which George confirmed had been opened on his own, and then the flies had returned once more, and then moments later, like, sprint out to the boathouse to secure the door that had also flown open on its own.
1: Okay. Okay. So this- so Lots of doors all open on their own.
0: Yeah, which is just like, you know what, it could be an old house, like, that doesn't freak me out a whole bunch. It probably would if I was living in this house, but... Right, right, right. Yeah. So, anyway, this all occurred while Kathy's mother, brother, and future sister-in-law were visiting, and this is the first time that anyone other than the immediate family and Father Mancuso had had a paranormal experience in the house. Okay, so now it's spreading to the guests. It's not just happening when it's just the family. Yeah, people are now witnessing it. So December twenty fifth, Christmas Day. Say it with me. Frank wakes up at three fifteen. Oh my god, Frank Frank wakes up at
1: three fifteen. I hope he didn't wake up. I hope he didn't walk down while Santa was putting the presents under the tree.
0: No, George. Sorry, George wakes up at three fifteen a.m. and he looks next to him, and Kathy is sleeping on her stomach with her hands above her head. Super weird. Super weird. And suddenly, as he's like looking at her wakes up screaming about someone who had been shot in the head and she was like, I heard the explosion in my head and it like, I just it was so real, like it was such a real dream so that's here. not very holly jolly no, it's not how you want to start off your Christmas morning no. so here's what's weird about that uh, Louise DeFeo, who's the matriarch who, um, yeah. I don't know if you recall this, they had bought their bedroom set um had been shot in her head while sleeping on her stomach in the same bedroom she was the only one who had been shot in the head everyone else was shot in the back and this detail was never released to the media and it never even came out during the trial wow so no one knew this except the people investigating the case so she couldn't have been reading something from
1: the newspaper and seen it and had some sort of like mental no. thing okay wow <laughs> okay.
0: so she goes back to sleep like pretty easily after having that like traumatic thing happen to her which i wouldn't have gone back to sleep but you do you queen um yeah. and george is like laying in bed and he's like understandably freaked but he gets this sudden urge. Oh my God! Wait, I just remembered what happens here. Um, and he gets the sudden urge to go check the boat house, but like nothing's amiss. And so he's kind of like dawdling in the backyard, and he's like walking around the swimming pool with his flashlight, and he shines the light up at the house, and he sees Missy, his young daughter, watching him from the window, and he's like, "Why is she awake?" And right behind her was the face of a pig with glowing red eyes. Oh. I know. I know. My god.
1: I... What is that even cute? I hate I it. I really, 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 really don't like that.
0: Yeah. No, I... I, I think I, pigs are cute. I love pigs. But.
1: But, but but in this context, with the glowing eyes and the standing behind, in the dark The fact fandom,
0: that standing, too, is, like, so freaky. Ew ew, 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 I really, I don't like this. I know, I hate that. That kept me up, actually, after I read that, because I was like, what if I look outside my window and there's a pig with glowing Stop, red eyes? I
1: my, my window is open, my, my shades are not drawn yet right now, and it's, like, dark out, like, completely dark out, so now I... don't look outside um so i'm not joking i need to um i'm gonna close my shoes right now
0: okay (laughs) okay so um so george freaks out and he's like missy and he runs up the stairs and when he gets up to her room she is dead asleep but he's turning to leave the room and he's like maybe i just imagined it her rocking chair starts to rock on its own
1: i knew that rocking chair was gonna do something i knew i knew
0: yeah so later that morning as like the kids are playing with their christmas presents kathy tries to call father mancuso to report like last night's event um george had not told her about the pig though that's an important thing. He had kept that to himself. I wonder why. He just, like, I guess he didn't want to freak her out, or maybe he was, like, I was exaggerating it in my mind. Like, there's no reason to freak her out if I'm not even sure that that happened. So, Kathy tries to call him to, like, be like, oh, well, I had awoken, like, thinking I'd been shot in the head. And the call doesn't go through, but... What's weird is that they had made like several other calls on this phone and they had gone through. So it's not just the phone, it's just the calls to father Mancuso. So freaky. So Kathy is like getting, she's like getting the house cleaned up from Christmas. And she's like, all right, kids, like go play with your toys, but you're not allowed to go in the sewing room, like at all. She just has like a bad feeling about it. And so then Missy. Is like kind of bummed, and she's like, "Oh shoot! Like that's where Jody lives," and oh. and Joe and Missy's like, "Who is Jody?" And she's like, "She's my imaginary friend. He's a pig." Oh, first
1: of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, Jody. I thought it was a, a girl's
0: name. I, I Jody's a boy in a in. Like, I guess apparently. it doesn't really
1: matter because we're talking about like a de- demonic pig. So,
0: <laughs> I like Loki. Jody's like, like he he doesn't ever really really do anything except like freak them out, though.
1: Okay, yeah, Jody, uh, uh,
0: like just did she say that he was a pig? Yes, she's like, she's like oh, that's my imaginary friend Jody. She- he's a pig, and he lives in the sewing room. <laughs>
1: I'm really freaked out I I I know
0: and so like sometimes Kathy would report from like here on out that like Missy like would talk to someone who like clearly wasn't there and it was like a very like animated like one side conversation like she was saying it's not like something that a kid would make up like she had like elaborate answers to like elaborate questions it wasn't something that like a five year old was going to come up with on her own you know this
1: is and, and also I don't just the fact that it was a pig is also just like a random
0: thing that I'm like. Yeah. I mean, she could make that up, but like, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I I just that right then and there. But here's a here's the issue: is that George wasn't around when Missy was like, "Oh, my imaginary friend, the pig, Jody," oh, okay. and, and, and he George. Else. Yeah. Exactly. So they were like, "Oh, that's so funny! Like your imaginary friend." Um. Yeah. Had I, I known both of those, that would have been my final straw. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would have been out of here. So... I saw those glowing eyes, I'm out. Me too. So December 26th is a very big and important day for the Lutzes because Jimmy, Kathy's brother, is getting married. Yay! Yay. Fun. Yay. So, George wakes up, at three fifteen a.m. and he wanders yes. out to the boathouse like in a daze and when he gets out there he's like i don't even like remember coming out here like i don't remember why i came down here like why am he i here it's like something's calling him out there yeah weird yeah. so um so then his guard dog harry right he noticed that yes. like He's becoming, like, way more... Leth- I also just want to preface this. The dog is fine. The dog doesn't get hurt. Which I was very... I was stressed out about because I thought that this well, was where it, it was leaving. Fun. But, yeah. It it's not
1: like it's where it's leaving, to be fair.
0: It's dog familiar. is fine. Dog, okay. dog never gets hurt. Okay. So, dog... So, the dog had been sleeping, like, more and more heavily than normal. Which was very weird for, like, a trained attack dog... Or, like, a trained, like, guard dog, and he, like, wouldn't, he, like, didn't wake up when George went outside, and George was like, alright, maybe I have to, like, take him to the vet. So, eventually, he takes him to the vet, not, not this day, but, like, later on, and the vet's like, he's totally fine, like, he's probably just adjusting to the new house, like, there's nothing wrong with him. So, George goes back inside, and all of a sudden, he's, like, hit with, like, he's like, I gotta use the bathroom. Really bad. So. (laughs) So he comes he comes down with, like, a severe case of diarrhea, and he's, like, oh. really sick, which, like, this I would attribute to, like, being around Father Mancuso, who's also, like, on his deathbed sick, right?
1: Right, I forgot and about he, that.
0: So, like, maybe it was contagious, but, like, no one else in the family caught it. But, you know, illnesses are weird sometimes, so... Yeah. I'm not gonna say that this is, like, anything paranormal, but it is, like, a, a crappy day to get it, because it's his... His uh, brother-in-law's wedding. One? Yes, it was because I was gonna say another word that starts okay. with S, but I can't say but that. We can't. Not trying to get demonetized. Exactly. So over breakfast, Missy is like, "Mom, it's okay that you don't want me to play in the sewing room because Jody has now moved into my room, and oh. he prefers to play in there now." Missy, you better watch yourself, girl, because
1: <laughs> she is starting to freak me out. i, feel I a too into this. <laughs>
0: then, Kathy's like, yeah, like, all right, great, just stay out of the sewing room. <laughs> like, I, yeah. don't, I don't care. I don't care. So the kids are now like, all right, well, we're going to, like, go hang out before we get have to get ready for the wedding. So then Kathy's in the kitchen writing, like, another grocery list, as she does, right? She's okay. just writing. So she's just, she writing. just be writing, <laughs> writing grocery lists and whatnot. <laughs> she'd just be writing lists. And she suddenly confronted with that same, like, motherly presence that she had run into a little while back, except yeah. now yeah. it was accompanied by that same overly sweet perfume that she had smelled in her bedroom bathroom. Okay. Right. So, she's like, oh, my friend's back, and all of a sudden, the perfume becomes, like, overwhelming, and she feels like she's, like, starting to choke on it, she, like, can't breathe, and she's getting really dizzy, and she, like, starts to pass out, when suddenly, it just disappears, and she's fine, but she's, like, on the kitchen floor now, and Missy comes into the kitchen, and Kathy's, like, sobbing, because she's scared she thought she was gonna die, and... Missy comes over and she's like comforting her mom and she's like Jody says you shouldn't cry because it's all gonna be okay. The pig. I don't know if
1: that's like disturbing or if that's like maybe slightly comforting. But
0: So let me give you spoiler alert. Um I also thought I was like, Oh, maybe Jody's gonna be a good guy. Jody is not a good guy. Um no. <laughs> Jody Jody is most certainly a demon. Uh, oh,
1: hell no. Whoa, whoa.
0: Oh, hell no. To the no-no. No, hell I to really, the no I'm so freaked out. I was, like, holding out hope that maybe Jody was a true play buddy. I, like, this... <laughs> so we're definitely not going to get to this in, like, part one, because it's later on. But yeah. Jody like... Missy like relays something to Kathy that Jody says, and it's like actually the most like chilling. Thing. It is so freaky. So you have to listen to part two, but it's it's James scary. Crap
1: about the mom, wasn't she? Wasn't he?
0: Weren't they? No, <laughs> weren't they? Now, I don't know if Jody has a gender. Anyway, know, right? so <laughs> a genderless pig. Um. Anyway, yeah. sure so. So, later on, everyone's ready to go to the wedding, and for whatever reason, like, they were being picked up by Jimmy, who's the groom, and Jimmy was like, let me give you a ride to my wedding, and so he, like, comes over to pick the family up, and he like, walks so into so the I house, and he's time. like, <laughs> like, crazy. So, also, Jimmy's, like, carrying around, a, like, an envelope of $1,500 in cash, which back then was, like, a lot more money. Like, not to say that $1,500 is not a lot now, but it was, like, enough to pay God. off the wedding back then. Okay. Why was he doing yeah. that? Because he had to pay the wedding venue. Oh, 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 so, okay.
1: Literally because he was paying off the wedding.
0: Yes, yeah, so, he, like, is ready to go, and he, like, slips it in into a suit jacket, and he's, all he did, like, he knew that he had the envelope in the house because he showed it to George. And... All of a sudden, as they're leaving the house, he, like, kind of pats himself down, and he doesn't feel the envelope. Completely gone. This $1,500 in cash, gone. And they never find it. That's just, like, kind
1: of mean at that point. I know.
0: So he's like, like, how how am I going to pay off the wedding? Yeah. Right? And what do the demons have any use with this $1,500 right? That's they what not
1: saying that's so obnoxious
0: they don't, it is obnoxious so anyway this, this wedding's a rager and the Lutzes return home from the wedding at 3am on December 27th so there's no waking up at 3.15 for George but oh, George great. recounted <laughs> George recounted as soon as they entered the church he had to like sprint to the bathroom and vomit Like, he was just, like, overcome with nausea. And... He was
1: having some gastrointestinal issues.
0: Yeah, some GI issues for sure. So... So, Kathy is now having this reoccurring dream, and she has it this night, of Louise DeFeo having... Or, as as the book puts it, making love to someone that's definitely not her husband. So, she's having these dreams of Louise DeFeo having an affair... Which is later confirmed to be true. She was having an affair. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh and it wasn't, God. like, a very public affair either. So, okay. again, like, these things that Kathy knows, like, no one really knew. But it was right. later confirmed to be true. So, anyway, the family's, like, doing their thing, like, in the kitchen. And Kathy's Aunt Teresa shows up and she's like, Hi, I'm here to visit your house! And Aunt Teresa says sounds like a little bit of a character. She used to be a nun, but she left the order. And she's, like, kind of... Wasn't
1: that so common back then? Probably.
0: Where they would would become
1: young, and they would, like, fall in love,
0: and then they would... Yeah. Uh, Definitely, like, more common than it is now, I would think. Yeah. But she was, like, a very, like, strict disciplinarian, like, whatever. So the children were like, oh, hi, Aunt Teresa. Bye. So George is, like... (laughs) (laughs) George is giving her a tour of the house and she goes up to the sewing room and she's like, I'm not walking in that room. She's like, there's something weird in there. And same thing with the children's playroom. So immediately George is like
1: two religious figures who have said that the sewing room is a no, no.
0: And so Teresa has literally been here for like 30 minutes and she's like, it's I have to leave. Like there's just I and I would advise you guys to leave as well. There's something weird about this house. That's not a good thing. Like, like, that's not No, good. it's not. So no sooner had I she like, left I know a little bit, but honestly she was probably just looking out for their well being. Yeah, she was trying to protect them, yeah. Yeah. So Danny and Chris meet a boy named Bobby on the street and they come running in the house and they're like we got a we got a new friend. Like we just moved into this house. We have no friends. We is Bobby real? Yes, Bobby is real. Um, okay. And so, but but Kathy's like, oh thank God, like they have a friend, yay! Yeah. And so she's like, oh Bobby, like you're welcome to stay for dinner. Like why don't you guys go up in the playroom and play? And Bobby's like in the house, and he's like, I think I'd rather just play in the foyer. Okay, and she's oh, yeah. like. In the foyer, yeah, whatever. And
1: no, I'm just going I just, I just to pronounce it.
0: <laughs> the foyer. And I don't know if I say foyer or foyer. I think I go back and forth. I, wait,
1: I think it's foyer. I just say foyer to be like as a
0: continue, never mind.
1: Forget about
0: it. No, I think I I think I usually do say foyer, which is so I'm in the foyer. I say foyer. I was kidding when I yeah. said foyer. Uh but and now I'm thinking it over and I'm like, I definitely usually say foyer. The foyer. Because that's what my mom called like it when we were Anyway, he's like I'd rather stay in the foyer. And she's like, Okay. Weird. She's like, why don't you stay for dinner? And he's like, I don't think I want to stay in this house. And he never came over to the house again. But fair enough. <laughs> he Like play outside, but he never came into the house again. He was okay. like freaked out. Wow. So that same day, George is like, okay, we've got, like, food piling up from all of Kathy's friggin' grocery lists, okay? So, okay. <laughs> I, I need to find storage. He's like, maybe I'll go downstairs and into the basement and see if I can find, like, room for a pantry. Mm-hmm. So, there's, like, the shelving... Yeah, there's a shelving unit, like, behind the, the stairs, and he, like, kind of feels like a draft coming from it. He's like, what? So, he pushes in... And it, like, gives way, and all of a sudden they discover that there's, like, this secret room of course behind is, the course stairs. There. And it's painted red from floor to ceiling. Ooh. It's, Spinkiness. like, bright red. And, like, the ceiling's painted red, like, the floor's painted red. The entire room is red. Okay. Inter- bold, bold choice. And as he was, like, turning to leave... He, like, I I guess it had, like, one of those string lights that you can, like, pull and it'll illuminate it, you know? And as he was closing the, like, shelving unit, he, like, turned off the light, and on one of the walls he saw, like, a fleeting, like, picture of a face that he would later realize was Butch DeFeo. Like, it looked exactly like him. Oh. My God. I know. That part freaked me out. Oh,
1: this is is really, 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 really
0: um, funny. I've
1: I've become, like, pretty, not numb, but, like, I've become much more brave since we started the podcast.
0: Yeah, me too. But, I mean, this is really scary. Oh, don't worry. We're just going to get worse. So, the next day, George finally goes into the office, which is, like, ten days later, right? So, this is December 28th he finally goes into the office. And, um, as he's leaving, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna stop at this, like, local bar called The Witch's Brew for a little pint action, right? So he, like, goes into the, the um, he goes into the bar. And he goes up to the bartender and he's like, hey, I just moved here. And the guy's like, no way, like, I've seen you here before, like, you, like, you're literally one of my regulars. like I. But I haven't seen you in a while. He's like, I've never been here in my life. So, he's like, okay, like, whatever you say. Um, and he's like, oh, like, did you, like, he's like, you said you're new here? Like, where did you move in? And he was like, I just moved into 112 Ocean Avenue. And he's like, oh, I know that place. Like, I did work on that place before the DeFeo's, um, moved out. And he was like, he's like, you know what? That's who you look like. He's like, you look like the DeFeo boy. What? So, he's like, I finally, like, it was on the tip of my tongue, that's who you look like. And George's like, okay, um, anyway. Like so he's, yeah, like Butch. And so, oh, no, 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 no right? Sorry. Like Ronnie. Like Ronnie Like, oh, Ronnie, like Ronnie, like Ronnie. Okay, okay,
1: okay, okay.
0: Yeah. So, um, so, he's like, oh, yeah, I used to do work in that house. Hey, did you know that you have a secret room in your house? And George is like, no, I didn't. Where is it? He's like, oh, it's underneath your basement staircase. If you, like, push in the shelving unit, it's, like, a little room from, like, like painted red. Like, the entire thing is red. And and George is like, really? Like, I have to go check that out. Because he, like, wanted to see what kind of information he would get out of this yeah. guy. Yeah, so, the guy's, like, the bartender's, like, yeah, like, I don't know, I did some work down in that basement, but, like, that room really freaked me out, like, it definitely invaded my nightmares, and I used to have a recurring dream of someone, like, in a long white robe, sacrificing a pig. Um, So.
1: Oh, everything is slowly coming together.
0: Yes it a lot of like loose ends connect so so at the same time actually a little before this happened father mancuso is like finally starting to feel better like this was like a literal like five day flu and he's like oh my god okay finally so he brings up the case to like a local detective and he's like i know that i sound crazy like and i know that your job is not normally investigating paranormal stuff but will you go and investigate the house? And the detective's like, oh, yeah, like, okay. I Like, I don't usually do this, but, like, you're a priest, so I guess I, I will guess do we'll... this. Okay. So at the time, so this same detective was on the DeFeo case, which is not surprising, because um, yeah. it's it, only, it's a, year. only okay. a year later. <laughs> yeah. So he's driving past the witch's brew as George is walking in, and he stops the car and he's like, Oh my god, like that's Ronnie DeFeo. Like that, that just walked into this bar. He's like, Do these he has... two
1: actually look alike?
0: Yeah, they do. Okay. But I guess like when I tell like when I say that George had kind of, like, let his appearance go earlier. He, like, stopped shaving, and his hair got a little longer, and if you look at, like, pictures of the DeFeo family, like, they all had, like, long hair and, like, a little bit of, like, a scraggly beard. So, like, and I guess it was the same color hair. So, you know, it's subjective, but he was, like, that guy, like, walks like him, and he looks exactly like him, and the weird part about it is that Bush DeFeo, when he had, like, After he had just committed the crimes, he ran into this bar, this Witch's Brew, it's the same same bar, and was like, someone murdered my family. Like, that's where he first called for help. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, anyway, while this is all going on, so while George is at the pub and while Father Mancuso is, like, calling in this detective... Kathy's at home waiting for George, and she's, like, too scared to do anything. She's like, I don't want to go upstairs, because, like, that's where the sewing room is. And, like, I don't want to go in the kitchen, because that's where that thing almost, like, suffocated me the last time. She's like, all
1: right.
0: Yeah, and, like, the kitchen, it's, like, very sad, because the kitchen, like, was her safe space, she said, until that thing with, like, the... Like, she said that she felt, like, most safe in the kitchen until that thing happened with, like, perfume. So she was like, all right, I'm just going to, like, wait in the living room. And so she's, like, sitting there. She's doing something, I maybe, like, reading or knitting or whatever. And she had gotten this, kind of funny, she'd gotten George this, like, four-foot ceramic lion statue for Christmas, like, their first Christmas together. Because he had, like, pointed it out. And he was like, that's really cool. She was like, oh, let me get that for you for Christmas, which is, like, kind of a funny okay. Christmas it gift. It is. But... they had like finally unpacked it right and so it's like sitting in the corner of this room and she's like reading whatever she doesn't have her eyes up and like out of the corner of her eye, she's like is that thing moving like why does it feel like it's getting closer to me so she like kind of forgets about it and george finally gets home and he's like all right i gotta call father mancuso because this is like weird and so he's talking to father mancuso and Both of them are like, all right, he's like, it finally connects, like, finally. And he's like, get out of this house, and then immediately static and disconnect again. So, as soon as the call disconnects, Father Mancuso immediately feels sick again. He falls sick again with the flu. He puts the thermometer back in his mouth, and he has 102 degree fever.
1: This is so weird. weird.
0: And the, oh, I forgot to say... Sorry, I forgot to say earlier that when he had woken up that morning, his, his temperature reading on the thermometer was 98.9.
1: Okay, so like...
0: So it was back to normal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, obviously, whatever this is, is like, it can, it can
0: do things outside of the house, too. It's an infestation, and it's, it's got a pretty powerful reach. So this part's this part's crazy. Um so George walks into the living room and immediately eats it and falls on the thing and he's like who moved the ceramic lion in the middle of the room? And so Kathy's like what the hell is going on? So she's like okay like whatever. They go about the rest of their night like George is like complaining about his leg, so he's like, I'm gonna go to bed, and, like, whatever. So the next day is December 29th, George's ankle is, like, all bruised and swollen, I guess he had, like, twisted it or whatever, Mm. but it also had teeth marks in the shape of the lion's snout. That
1: is... This is so weird. This just
0: sounds... It's so weird.
1: Okay, wow. Ooh, ooh,
0: ooh, ooh. I know I know so stay with me stay with me here okay. so George lets his his ankle heal for a, a day and the next day he goes into work and he decides on his way back from work he's gonna stop and do some research about the DeFeo family and this is when he kind of starts to put it all together so okay. he stops okay. at Newsday's Garden City office and he comes across like case files and newspapers from the murder and he, like, reads about how they were found on their stomachs. And, like, he reads about, um, like, how he ran into the witch's brew. And he's like, okay, this is weird, right? Yeah. Strange. At the same time, Father Mancuso wakes up and he's, he's like, his hands are in agonizing pain. So, like, he, like, looks down and he has, like, these festering blisters in the center of his palm. Both palms. Okay which is which is weird because like typically when that kind of like injury shows up in like the catholic church they believe that's like the stigmata you know what i'm talking about so it's for those of you who don't know the stigmata is like it's a miracle that happens to like some of the most venerated saints and it's when um they begin to take on markings of the five wounds of jesus christ when he was hung on the cross so one in the center of each palm one in the center of each foot and then uh like a lance in Im- uh indent on the side so he like is having this like burning sensation in his palms and he's like what is going on that's like where his mind first goes to but he doesn't have any of the other markings so he's like And I don't think it was, like, supposed to be that painful. So he was like, this is just, like, weird. Like, what is going on? And he, like, can't get any relief from it. So he's basically, like, being tortured. So back to George. George is now, like, at, like, the Office of Historical Records. And he's going through, like, Amityville records. And he, he finds out that the property that he owns used to belong to Shinnecock Native Americans who wouldn't live there because they believed that that parcel of land was infested by demons. So instead they used it as an enclosure for like any members of the tribe that had gone like sick or mad. And that's where they like kind of kept them isolated from society, but they wouldn't even bury their dead there because they were afraid that there were like demons. Okay. Wow. So then later on, no, he finds records of a John Catchum, who was banished from Salem, Massachusetts, for witchcraft. Okay. And supposedly, John Catchum had lived on this property, and he had continued his witchy practices, and apparently is supposedly buried on site. So he's supposedly buried on the northeast corner of the property.
1: Okay. I would be very interested to know if that's true.
0: I don't know. I was never confirmed, but yeah. that's what the records show. Okay. So it's December 31st, New Year's Eve. You know, they're, they're in a new house and 14. you know what? It's weird. Weird start. So they're like, all right, we'll put 1975 behind us. You know, we'll move into 1976. Kathy is scared to death, but George has now become like obsessed with the thought that he might be able to find, like, the DeFeo's cash. And he's like, maybe they, like, hid money around the house, or, like, maybe that's why I feel so compelled to go to the boathouse. So we have to stay, because somewhere oh. here, there's also an envelope of $1,500 from Jimmy. And, I'll, like, I'm like, were you not going to give that back? But whatever. So get, he's like, yeah, right? there's I'm money.
1: With your brother-in-law, bro. I
0: know <laughs> it. Exactly. there's money hidden in this house. I know it. So, Kathy's like, fine, but I want that friggin' lion moved up to the sewing room. So, he... So, George moves the lion up to the sewing room, and he notices that the flies are back. And he's like, oh my god, okay. Like, (laughs) kills them, whatever. So then, the family's like, oh, we'll just stay home for New Year's. Like, no one's really in, like, a going-out-and-partying mood. Which you can't blame them. Yeah, you can't blame them. And so... They save till midnight, yay, and they put the kids to bed. And the two of them are just kind of, like, vibing by the fire. It's, like, the first relaxing moment that they've had <laughs> since moving into this stupid house. And Kathy's just kind of, like, staring, like, zoning out at the fire. And all of a sudden, she's like, what is that? She's like, what? A shape, like, starts to materialize. And she's like... It was, it like looked like a demonic figure with horns and a hood, and it was dressed completely in white. And she's like, Am I seeing things? Like, what is this? And she's just like paralyzed with fear. So it starts growing and it starts reaching for her. Okay. And she only comes to her senses and like screams when she realizes that half of its face is missing. Like, almost from a close-range shotgun. Oh. And so George is like, what is going on? Like, what? What? And she just, like, shakily points to the fireplace. And in the back of the fireplace, like, against the bricks, there was an imprint left of this demonic figure, like, completely dressed in white. And it was, like, very clear. (sighs)
1: This is insane
0: yeah so we are only 13 it's days in
1: not even so then
0: we're yet. just for another two weeks oh and that's where i'm gonna end care. part one though
1: i don't care how much money you think is hidden in that house and i don't care how good of a deal you got on that house there are so your family many, there are so many like like red flags that should have been the end of it and they just stayed
0: yeah i know like, it's like it's hard to read because i'm like you just get out of there please i know
1: a lot of trouble could have been avoided i mean like and it's weird because like i feel like there are a lot of different things going on like with the like the the dad looking like the uh the dad dad and
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I actually was mistaken. Um, I just saw in my notes right here the person that they had mistaken him for was not the dad. It was Butch DeFeo, who was the one that committed the murders.
1: Okay. So it's just weird, like, you know, the mistaken identity multiple times and then, like, the mom's connection with the DeFeo mother, like... Yeah. And, just, like, and like, that pig... And this demonic figure. It's just and it's, you know, weird. And
0: it's just weird,
1: but... So interesting, it's also interesting because Butch DeFeo is still alive during all of this, right? Like, yeah. Well, he, did, mm-hmm. he didn't die until 2021, so I mean, he was alive and in jail for all of this, so it's not like it was like his,
0: his soul or his spirit coming back or anything. No, it was just, I guess, some leftover energy, and I guess it had opened up a demonic portal i guess right yeah or i guess it, or it had been open before that it sounds like too yeah. so some creepy stuff but you're just gonna have to wait until part two to figure out what happens to the lutz family but um i i think that this is a really good case for our our one year because it it's is. man is it in depth <laughs> this is the scariest one so far to me yes definitely <laughs> i agree completely agree so we have to get a move on because we're recording our first Patreon episode in a while of our new series after this. Mm-hmm. So we'll get back to you though soon with part two. Or part I guess this will be part three with part yeah. three. And we hope you stay spooky and creep it real. Creep well, it real. Alright. Bye.